This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. Oftentimes, as a leader, it's not just the physical or the fiscal obstacles that you have to jump over. A lot of the times, the problem is also kind of in your head. So here with me today is Lorraine Chang, founder and CEO of Ascension Associates, to discuss a few mental obstacles leaders regularly encounter and how to deal with that. Sure. Thanks for having me, Christine. Um, so first of all, for um, all my new Malaysian audience, I'm, I'm from Hong Kong, so I'm not from Malaysia, I'm from Hong Kong. Um, so I'm the founder and CEO of Ascension Associates, where we search, train, and coach leaders uh, across Asia. Great. So, uh, you know, speaking of coaching leaders, uh, much like I said earlier, uh, there are a lot of problems and a lot of obstacles that leaders go through. But uh, a lot of the time, you know, uh, the problem is not necessarily on the surface. A lot of them are sort of in your head, right? So tell me a little bit about, you know, the most common, uh, I suppose, like mental fallacies that you'll see leaders encounter on a regular basis. Um, I see two, basically. Um, one of them is the problem of linear thinking, which we have just covered um, in our pilot leadership development workshop. Um, because a lot of the time where people go and see, it, especially, you know, when they're in a situation where they need to put out fires, a lot of them have been kind of trained or put in a situation where they cannot think of anything else other than focusing and laser focusing on the problem right in front of their eyes. And most of the time, because of our training, especially deeply rooted in our education system, a lot of the times we only see like one plus one equals to two. So, you know, when we see a problem, the only solution that we think is like, oh, if it happens, it must be because of A, that kind of like causation effect. And that kind of linear thinking actually give us more problems rather than helping us to solve the problems or solve the problem for the short term for the time being, but it doesn't really like get rid of the entire thing for the longer term. Uh, and another like mental fallacy, which is more personal in uh, that is actually what we cover a lot of the times in executive coaching sessions, it's the um, what we call the imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is actually what we think that we are not good enough. We are fake. And hence, you might have actually heard of the phrase, fake it till you make it. But, you know, in our coaching sessions, in our workshops, we actually advocate our leaders, you know, work it till you make it instead of like fake it till you make it. Hmm. Because when you when you fake it till you make it, you know that you are imposter, you know that you're deceiving people. So that kind of like reinforce the entire thing. Uh, and it happens a lot in times during transitions or when people get promoted too early or when people are very experienced, but they are thrown in situations where, they have never faced before. So, you know, they don't have any past track record or past experiences to draw on. And then also then you're asking them, you know, in a very senior position to solve this problem in front of everybody, right? And they are accountable. They are like these CEOs or C minus one, like very prolific. So what do they do, right? So all of us are human beings. We would all go through emotions like, I don't know what to do, fear, uncertain, anxious, worrisome, and that's just like very normal. But on top of that, if we actually don't understand what these mental policies do to us, 
it actually hinder a lot of the not just the execution but the development of these leaders. Mm, absolutely. I mean, uh, so you've mentioned two of these sort of problems. You've got uh, linear thinking and you've got imposter syndrome. So let, maybe let's start with linear thinking first and sort of break that down a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, from your definition, it's sort of having those blinkers on in a way. Uh, there, I think, is a thin line between being focused on a task and being blind to other solutions to the task sure, as well, right? For sure, yeah. So, I mean... The problem, I think, with having blinders on is that you often aren't aware that they're on there. You often maybe don't think of yourself as a linear thinker. You don't realize that you're doing that. So how do you yeah. even identify the problem in the first place? This is a very good question. And for me, it takes some practices and sometimes you realize I'm also a victim of linear thinking sometimes. it Nowadays, when I set up the litmus test when I go experiment with my um, coaching clients at that level. I just ask them to ask themselves when I'm not there um, with them all the time, is that ask yourself the question of three. It's simple. For example, uh, let me just give you like a very personal example. So a few months ago, I had this like shoulder pain and it, it, won't, it just won't go away. So I thought, oh, because I had shoulder pain before, I thought I would go back to my spine doctor because I thought it because of the bad posture or whatever, you know, like sliding too much cell phone and whatever, right? And then it's the same spine doctor. He treated me all right the last time. But then the, this time, it's the same shoulder pain, but then he couldn't treat me. I exactly went back to him three times, spent quite a bit of money, and say shoulder pain won't go away. And I had to stop to ask myself, like, hold on one second. It has been intensive treatment. I've been going back to him exactly for three times. Why is it still not working? Now, some of the times when people actually got so much into linear thinking, they would go on and say, don't give up. You know, keep trying, keep working harder. And this is actually very common when, especially when you're going through corporate innovation transformation projects, right? You know, you just have to grind through, right? Grind till you own it. But then there are times where you need to set up the litmus test and say, this is actually not working. We have to stop and take a pause and see like, hey, this is actually where we're going to the mental violence of linear thinking. This is not working. What's happening? And so I just stop myself and say, hold on one second. How come my spine doctor couldn't treat me this time? What is the real cause for me of having this shoulder pain out of nowhere? And then I realized because I was launching this uh, regional uh, well-being project. And then I realized I was actually going through a lot of stress because I don't know what the turnout's going to be. I was worried about the, the outcome. And a few days later, after I woke up, I realized I got jaw pain. So it turns out I was so stressed that actually I was kind of like, biting my teeth real tight when I was sleeping. That's why I woke up and said, hmm, this like right about this area, like my jaw is like, hmm, this is like weird. And that helped me to understand like, hey, one, hold on one second. My shoulder pain is just like an extension of my jaw pain because I've been sleeping. I thought I was sleeping. I was, but I was treating my body as if I was being bitten up because mm. I was in such a stressful mode. That's why my spine doctor with all his like, you know, 
<laughs> show on 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 the medical bed and whatever treatment that he used to use on me didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so that was a linear thinking. My doctor failed to treat me this time, and actually failed to gain my trust further because he didn't actually go deep enough to ask me how have I been sleeping, what I've been going on for even these few days, how's work, because apparently. My spine was fine. He thought that I was not okay, but the but the, actually there is a right obvious symptom right in front of him, because he said, "Lorraine, your neck muscle is so tight, I couldn't even like twist your neck." Hmm. Not okay, not twist my neck, but you know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, but then he just stopped there. Hmm. He didn't ask me what what happened, and then that comment got me thinking. Yeah, you're right. Why am I so tight? Oh, because I was actually stressed. Mm. So I was a doctor myself. I diagnosed myself and then I got out of that. So so I think what's interesting about this is that, you know, I think both in, in this particular uh, anecdote, right, both you and the doctor essentially had the same fallacy of linear thinking. You kind of kept feeling it has to be a spine thing, it has to be a spine thing. And he also did not... Uh, you know, or, or they they did not uh, afford you the you know any more questions to look more into it because they also assumed that it was the same problem as before or that it was an extension of the previous issue, right? So, you know, uh, I think the the sort of takeaway from that is, you know, there's got to be a point where I think you have to determine what kind of wall you're up against that is stopping you from you know getting the result that you want, right? Is it you know? Are you completely looking in the wrong direction? Is it just a wall that you have to come back from? Exactly. Like, you know, sometimes exactly. you do have to sort of, um, it sounds counterintuitive, but sometimes you have to know when to quit in order to move ahead. Exactly. When do you need to, what kind of baggage you need to leave behind totally so that you can move forward mm. because you cannot just keep on walking with more and more rocks on your on your on your back. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is, and thank you so much, Christine, for actually putting it out in that way. I think it's actually the difficulty of looking at the same situation, but with different angle, with mm. the fresh eyes. It sounds so cliche. Oh, let me actually have someone have a fresh eyes. But sometimes when that independent third party is not available for whatever, for whatever reason, how do we as leaders, you know, be enable ourselves and our team to see the same situation with fresh eyes, mm. with a new perspective? Maybe the same problem this time, but different root cause. Mm-hmm. Different root cause, different solutions. Yeah. And the linear thinking mental fallacy is because, you know, on top of that, you know, especially, right, you know, with the with a lot of Asians, <clears throat> you know, grind till you own it, you don't give up, you keep on working harder, you know, it's just because you haven't given, given in enough hours, then the sunk cost is higher because mm. now you're putting in the same solution. Imagine I go. I just go back to the spine doctor every single day. My my neck and and shoulder pain wouldn't go away, but yeah. then I just keep on working harder and, and say, oh, it's just because of the something was wrong, whatever. But then you know, if you look at it from a corporate perspective, <clears throat> that means actually we are throwing in more and more dollars into the same thing, but mm-hmm. we're not getting any any result out of it. And it turns out you get frustrated, you get burnt out, and then you know the whole story. And and I think it's it's also really difficult when you do put you know so much effort into solving a problem to admit that maybe you're going about it wrong. Honestly, like it's difficult. It's embarrassing yeah. to admit that you've made a mistake or that you have, uh, you know, sunk resources into something that was not going to work. Like that is a difficult thing to 
to adjust for sometimes and to admit to yourself and maybe to your colleagues or your peers or your subordinates as well to come out and be like, we actually sort of need to scrap this because this is not the right move. It's tough, right? So I think that's why it's easier to fall into the trap of linear thinking because at least you you think you're right. (laughs) Yeah. And then it goes back in the same imposter syndrome because Mm. it kind of like now you see, you know, the point where I'm trying to make because... The imposter syndrome is like, Christine, I, I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. Right. I, I can't solve this. So what do you do normally? The linear thinking tells you work harder. You overcompensate. Mm. But then you're not, you know, you're not taking the step back. You're not having the space for yourself to see clearly what is really going on. You know, are we really not good enough? And by what standard? Mm. By whose judgment? What is good? What is the definition of good this time? Maybe, you know, this time definition of good is different. Love you know, uh, you know, for a lot of the scrum masters and agile coach out there, do we know what I mean? The definition of done is different every single time for different projects. So it's same for leadership. You know, human beings are dynamic. We're not supposed to be monolithic. And same with my neck and shoulder pain. The last time it was like bad posture, this time it's because of the stress that I was giving on, on myself. Absolutely. And in a way, it was also kind of like imposter syndrome in a way, because why would I actually go so stressed and anxious to a point where I was like grinding my teeth and having jaw pain and then end up having neck and shoulder pain because of something that actually I shouldn't be worried about in the first place. Mm. I could have just like sat down, meditate a little bit, just like chill my, just chill, chill out. (laughs) And then go talk to my partners and go work it out. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that uh, that's simply one of the solutions. But I think imposter syndrome is a, a very complicated beast as well. So we do have to take a short oh, break for some messages. Uh, but after that, I will continue speaking to Lorraine Chang, founder and CEO of Ascension Associates, about the mental fallacies in leadership here on Razor Game on BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You're listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong and I have Lorraine Chang, founder and CEO of Ascension Associates, on the line with me today. And we're talking about some mental fallacies in leadership. And before the break, we primarily touched on the idea of linear thinking. And now we're sort of moving into the second uh, fallacy that uh, Lorraine highlighted before the break, which is imposter syndrome. Now, um, one thing I would love to delve into, we we were already kind of getting into it a little bit before the break, but the first thing that I want to do uh, is point out uh, something that I find quite interesting. Um, When I said to a colleague of mine today that I was going to talk about imposter syndrome, he looked at me and went, okay, what is imposter syndrome? And I said, okay, well, the fact that you're asking means you don't feel it. Um, because, you know, it's, some, it's something that is so, um, I think it's a, it's a more common problem than people think that it is, number one. I think um, that a lot of people assume that everyone else around them knows exactly what they're doing or feels that they have everything figured out. And I certainly don't think that is the case. And you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. But, you know, first of all, I think let's break down what exactly imposter syndrome is? How does it manifest uh, in your thought process? That is a good one. 
that is a book and Christine. And you can see that actually I'm just taking out my notes. Yes. For our listeners, that, Lorraine has just whipped out a sheaf of papers. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it's actually a very timely thing that I duck up from my papers because exactly, you know, in my coaching training school, we talk about coaching the imposter syndrome. You know, what exactly is it? And, you know, why is it so common? So, you know, if we talk about the re- the very academic definition of it, mm. you know, it can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evidence assessed. But sometimes in what we see in the workplace is that, um, you know, some people, they they are, you know, really at, at, a, at, a, at a stage where they are not that, um, let's just say how we, how we, let me, let me rephrase it. Let's say they just got promoted to a certain point. They're not absolutely ready for it. So they know they're not absolutely ready for it, but they don't know how to actually like get this kind of feeling of inadequacy of anxious anxiety to others. So they either overcompensate or they cover it up. So imposter syndrome, like you said, is actually a very complicated um, thing. And it can be manifested in different ways, in different ways. Now, for people who have constant success, they might actually, you know, manifest in front of you as like a professionist, as a superhero, as an expert, or as a soloist. So for professionists, you know, because even though that they have been having constant success, but they still feel that they are not good enough. Mm. So, you know, they overcompensate by being, I need to be perfect in this. And sometimes when we are working in projects, I'm sure the audience listening to us will understand, oh, I can see some trace in there. But now I'm not saying that every single person who's exhibit trace of a of a professionist is suffering from imposter syndrome, but that can be just like one way of it. Mm. But, you know, if we're talking about professionists, it can be the fact that, you know, for example, I need to be really good at this. Yeah, I need to make sure every single thing is perfect to my standard so that I don't feel like inadequate. Mm-hmm. And same thing for superhero, for soloist, for, for, for experts. And I think, you know, in our real cases, you know, coaching senior leaders, especially when they are transitioning to a new role, when they got promoted um, and they know that, you know, there are certain skill set that they are not good enough, but they are thrown in a situation where they need to just like roll up the sleeves and run with it. And that's like the scariest point for them because they know that, oh, I'm not really good enough hmm. despite my previous success, but my previous success doesn't guarantee me success in this role. So what do I do right now? And a lot of the times, especially in Asia, uh, not every single senior person is really is is willing to talk about these things right you know even with independent third parties or with like other people so so that kind of like also affects the entire thing of how they overcome this yeah you know i think i think first of all one interesting note that you've mentioned is that sometimes with imposter syndrome is because you don't have a frame of reference for what success looks like in, the, in that position exactly. um you know it's that kind of thing of 
if you had straight A's in school, you kind of have a rough idea that you're probably going to do well in university because you had straight A's in school. Like you, you at least have that basis of I normally do well in school and therefore. But when you're entering, you know, let's say a new industry, a new job, a new uh, position, even uh, if you got a new promotion as well and you've never been in a, in that position of authority, you have nothing really to compare um, you know exactly. your performance to apart from other people's, and that is like uh, that. Exactly. That level of comparison is not helpful to anyone because, like you said, people are people. We're not monolithic, and we certainly don't all work the same way. What works for one person does not necessarily work for another one. So I think that's one thing. And then um, the second thing that I I love about uh, that is um, you mentioned that a big part of imposter syndrome is feeling like you didn't do enough, and it's like enough is a wild word. <laughs> You know, I don't think it's physically yeah, possible. Enough? I don't think it's physically possible to ever do "quote unquote" enough for anything because what does what is that defined as? Uh, you know, for some people, uh, I, I think that's why this, there's this whole conversation now as well around like quiet quitting and things like that, right? Where it's like to a lot of people nowadays who have this sort of. Um, you know, uh, who are experiencing this sort of phenomenon, enough to them means, you know, they just do their job. They go to work and they and they do the nine to five and then they come back home. And a lot of other people are arguing that it's certainly not enough. You have to go above and beyond. And then at what point does that stop, right? When does above and beyond stop also? So it's, I find that all, all fascinating. I think that all these sort of societal pressures and that, that feeling of, I don't know what enough is and I don't know what good is. And so how... F- can I have? Can I be doing good enough if I don't know what the what the two are? And sometimes now let us not let us not get into the quiet quitting because you know for search business I can tell you there's a lot of other stories. Yeah, it's a that, it's a very complicated thing. I'm just saying that as like an example of <laughs> like know. enough as a definition. Yeah, but um, I think with the societal pressure, the lack of frame of reference, mm. um, lack of a sounding board. Uh, all these values that we have to go above and beyond, especially for a lot of high achievers we've seen. Um, like what you said, you just mentioned, you know, the people with straight A's in school, they have been kind of like, I wouldn't say programmed, but in a way it's really programmed that they have to do everything good mm. and perfect in every single arena. But what I'm trying to do is actually, we and actually we have uh, coaches, senior leaders and talk about this and leadership development workshop with our clients is that, we have to understand the biggest difference between the school and outside school is that in school, yes, it makes sense. You got straight A's, you for sure guarantee a ticket to any school that you want, right? You fix the B's and the C's, and then you guarantee you got a scholarship of some sort. But when you leave school, it it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. You know, just because you got straight A's in your sales KPI, whatever you. It doesn't guarantee promotion. It doesn't guarantee you that actually, you know, as a people leader, you know what to do when you have, you know, kind of like stumble upon a situation where you have never faced before, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because as a senior leader, everything is becoming more and more fluid, more and more volatile, more and more dynamic. You know, you just can't just go back to the closet and say, oh, let me go pull some old tricks and then I'll be good. Like it's as easy as saying that life just gets more complicated as you get older, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And so, you know, we have to kind of like understand, you know, when we are overcoming this imposter syndrome, we have to understand what narrative are we focusing? Hmm. Are we focusing on the not good enough bit? Or are we focusing on how can I be good enough bit? Hmm. And what does good enough look like for me and for others? And how do we find a consensus? 
In fact, you know, I'm reading the book Aphilus. I'm just in the middle of like finishing the last chapter. I think one of the good points is, let's say, for example, a lot of high achievers, and I used to be like that as well. Mm. You know, we just love to have a long, longer and longer to-do list. <laughs> like by the time we finish the school, finish the work, I'm like, how come actually I have more to-dos than, than the beginning of the day? But then what Aphilus is trying to say is, why don't we have like a done for the day list? Mm. What does done for the day look like? Because unless you retire and stop working like full stop, right? Our to-do list would never stop. Yeah. Right. For example, I'm running a business. Unless I touch it, I, you know, like unless I shut it down, I will have more to-dos. It's just a natural game of what we are we are in. Mm. So what is done for the day? What does good look like? And what can I do and this is actually what the well-being bit actually comes in we have to actually take into the consideration of our well-being when we are taking in all this pressure especially we talk about you know imposter syndrome that i'm not good enough because the more negative thoughts that you're giving yourself the less space you're creating yourself for embracing the positivity the possibility um you know the ability to ask for help to collaborate and to embrace new ideas that actually, you know what, maybe the solution is right in front of you. Hmm. Just take my neck and shoulder pain as an example. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that actually about brings us to the end of our show. But thank you so much to Lorraine for talking to me about some mental fallacies in leadership today. Thank you so much, Christine. You've been listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Lorraine Chang, founder and CEO of Ascension Associates, all about mental fallacies in leadership. And if you've missed any of today's chat, you can go ahead and catch up. We are, of course, on our app. Uh, It's the BFM uh, app that's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And you can also head over to bfm.my to listen to this podcast and many more. You're tuned in to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.